you will, bow your heads for a word of prayer with me. Uh, one more time before we get started. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, again, it is so good to be here. Um, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for meeting with your children. Thank you for your love for us. And, uh, uh, we thank you for uh, the wonderful lessons that you teach us each and every day as we as we walk with you, as you take us by the hand. And Lord, we uh, just want to continue in this walk with you and to grow closer to you and, and draw others to our wonderful Lord and Savior uh, as a result. And, uh, and Be with us today in our service. We pray that you would speak your words and let our hearts be softened as we receive the message. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Okay, the title of my sermon today is What Differences Can We Expect? So I've been kind of going through a uh, series on receiving the Holy Spirit. If you remember the the first one I preached about, uh, talking about receiving the Holy Spirit, was how Jesus was really truly convicted that if we were not receiving the Holy Spirit, we were really missing out on something. You know, according to um, uh, Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus actually wants us to receive the Holy Spirit. He wants us to He wants to give us the Holy Spirit more than we want to feed our own children. Right. The next one we learned about our lack of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the carnal Christian as opposed to the spiritual Christian. Remember that? You know the the ten virgins. What what was the main problem that the, the five virgins had? Um, five of them ran out of oil. Oil being representing the Holy Spirit. And as a result of not having enough, they had a portion. They had some of the Holy Spirit, but since they did not have enough, uh, the result was when uh, whenever the bridegroom came and they weren't ready, later when they came and knocked, the Lord's answer was, I don't know you. So, how important it is to have the Holy Spirit, to have, uh, to be fully surrendered, to, to completely surrender ourselves each and every day and ask for the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, we talked about the importance of personal devotions. Um, how we're filled by the Spirit day by day. And how we need to ask. This is, this is the time that we ask. To be filled by the Holy Spirit in the morning, during our worship time, and in the evening, um, during our uh, worship time as well. Now, today we want to talk about what advantages can be received um, in being filled with the Holy Spirit, or what disadvantages in not being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to miss this point that the things that we do. Uh, obviously, do not change how God feels about us, right? God loves us, no matter whether we have our daily devotion that morning, and He's going to treat us the same, whether we have our daily devotions that morning, or whatever we do, or don't do. God loves us the same, and He's going to treat us the same. But, it makes, it does make a difference in how our lives are going to be lived out, uh, whether we ask for the Holy Spirit, whether we follow the, the, the things that God's, God has asked of us. 
You know, Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days, long life, and peace will they add to thee. The law of the Lord is is all about love. It's it's It will change how our life turns out. And, you know, it, it obviously doesn't mean that our life is going to be, you know, just a cake ride from, from the time that we asked for the Holy Spirit. But, uh, you know, there's been so many things. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention during our prayer request is there's a, a family that that we met, and they've been keeping foster kids. They have they have one son that that uh, they've had for almost two years, or over two years. I think over two years now. They've had him ever since he was six months old, and been in the process of adopting him. Was this close? This close to being adopted? Uh, their their boy was, and. The, the state, because of having to uh, make sure, because he was taken away from the mother, but but the state having to make sure, you know, all ends are taken care of before they give an adoption. You know, they're looking for uh, these different possibilities of who the father could be, and we got no response from any of them, uh, even after numerous accounts. But, but finally one of them decided, well, yeah, I want to get tested. I want to see if it's mine. If he is, I want to. I want to keep them. So, uh, you know, after having them for over over two years now, the judge ruled just this past Wednesday, I believe, in favor of the of the father. So, uh, can you imagine how that would feel? Can you imagine? You know, these are good Christian people, and can you imagine how, especially the mother of this young boy, is feeling? She's she's had such a hard time anyway. So, obviously, following Christ, being filled with the Spirit day by day does not mean that everything's going to go your way. And it doesn't mean that life is is uh, going to be a cakewalk. But it does mean that when you have a trust in Jesus that you will have peace no matter what life throws at you. If you really have that trust, that God is with you and He's taking care of you. That no matter how hard it gets, uh, you'll make it through it. And and the Lord will will uh, make something good out of it. We may not ever know until after this life is over, but but eventually um, we will know. So. There are some advantages and disadvantages of asking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives day to day, and uh, today I want to talk about those, and and I want to tell you a story that kind of gives a good illustration of this. There was a a Boeing 707. Does anybody know anything about airplanes? This is a big plane, big plane. Boeing 707, it was uh, traveling, this was quite a few years ago, it was traveling from Tokyo um, going to uh, Japan, and everything looked good. Take off, oh man, it was sunny skies, beautiful weather. Everything was just perfect. And as as the plane is going along, the 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 passengers get to look down and and see Mount 
Mount Fiji, I think that's how you pronounce it, as they were passing through. And the pilot decides, uh, I'm, I'm going to give them uh, just an even better look at, at uh, just what a spectacle this is. So he switches, he switches off to manual mode um, and uh, veers off course. And he's going to circle around this beautiful mountain and just give the passengers a wonderful sight of this. And, and uh, what what happens when you switch to manual mode um, is the the ground control. You you, you it, to me it sounded like you lose connection with ground control and and you you rely completely on what you see. And he saw the mountain close below him, the pilot did, but what he didn't see was the strong, strong winds that were no match for this huge, massive airplane that was coming around this mountain. The plane was broken in two. Uh, it was, it was broken. Let me say, not say in two. It was broken. The plane crashed and all the passengers died. When we are not being led by the Spirit, we have shifted into visual mode. When we're being led by the Spirit, then we're trusting in Jesus and not in what we see. And He will lead us to a safe destination. Can somebody say amen? Now, I kind of want to talk some more about what exactly it means to be carnally minded. I don't know if we, we all remember that uh, exactly. So let, let, let's look at that again. It's in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3, if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, gives us an idea of what exactly it is to be carnally minded. What is a carnal Christian according to what the Bible says? 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3 says... And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So... We have all, it sounds like, been in this position at one time or another, right? We've all been babes in Christ. I heard uh, uh, Brother Mike talking about that a little bit this morning in Sabbath school. Uh, we have all been carnally minded for when we first accept Jesus into our lives. You know, there's some things that, that we think we still enjoy. There's some things that we uh, we still want to go this direction, Um but when it gets dangerous is when we stay in this position. Like Paul just said, you are still carnally minded. God wants us to grow, right? That's what, that's what walking with him every day means. It's growing in Christ, drawing closer to him as a result. And if we do not grow and we continue to stay in this carnal mindset of christianity according to romans 8 6 through 8 it says for to be carnally minded is death 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if we continue in this carnal mindset, in this um, being a spiritual babe, never growing up into Christ, according to Romans, we're not, we're not saved. We're lost. But that doesn't mean that, 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 that can't change today if anyone is in that situation. That can change today. We, we can uh, completely surrender our lives to Christ and invite the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. And that does not mean that, you know, when we when we become further along in our spiritual walk with Christ, if we we seem to no longer be a babe in Christ, it does not mean that we will never again do something that a babe in Christ would do. It doesn't mean that we're not going to fall, right? I'm so thankful for uh, the verse in Proverbs. Uh, it's Proverbs 24, 4 verse 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. The wicked man falls only one time because he doesn't get back up. The righteous man keeps on getting up, even though when we don't, do not act our age. Has anybody ever not acted their age? I have. You know, and I, I love this quote from Ellen White in the book Steps to Christ. It says, We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes. But we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken, and rejected of God. To be filled with the Spirit, one of the greatest, one of the greatest benefits, I believe, of being filled with the Spirit. Tell me, does anybody know what is the first of the spiritual gifts. Love. Love is the first spiritual gift. And Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And of course, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. John 13, verse 34, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By all this we know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What does it mean to love like Jesus loved? Well, we can't, we can't figure that out um, by ourselves. Because human love cannot match the love of Christ. Cannot even get close to the love of Jesus. To love like Jesus is called agape love. I've heard Brother Glenn preach many sermons on that. Agape love. Supreme love for God and unselfish love for one another. Supreme love for God and unselfish love for one another. If we ha- if we truly have unselfish love for one another, would that not help our marriages? Would that not help our our family life? Would that not help in in our in the life with our 
church family? Would it not help in the life with our the rest of our family? Anybody we come in contact with, would it not help? When we love with the love of Christ, there can be no more rivalry, no more tension, no more relying on human ability to forgive, human ability to not hold grudges. Because how far will human ability get us in doing these things? Not very far. One of the big things, I believe, that... um, one of the big advantages, I believe, of receiving the Holy Spirit is accepting the testimony of Jesus, which is what? The spirit of prophecy, revelation. Um, 9 verse 10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, Amos 3 verse 7 says, Surely... The Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether, whether they are of God. I've heard many people, um, as soon as they hear something about a prophet, they want to, Close their ears. Turn away from it. Ah, prophets. Nah, better not. According to this verse, we're to test the spirits, to see if they are of God. Not to just assume that, well, if if there's a prophet, there's something wrong with that religion. The Bible just told us in Amos 3, 7, sure the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Uh, Deuteronomy 18 verse 19 also says, And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of, I will require it of him. So, him being a prophet, whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks, he is the prophet, in my name, I will require it of him. So, if if a true prophet, um, if we've been given the opportunity to learn something from a true prophet and we re- reject the opportunity to learn, are we rejecting that person or are we rejecting instruction from God? Instruction from God. Um, Joel 2.28 says, And it shall come to pass... Afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So in the last days, God told us that he was going to give us some instruction, did he not? And I believe that instruction was given through the ministry of Ellen White. And... You know, not long after uh, 9-11, bookstores were sold out. And 
everybody wanted to wanted to buy up these books from from Nostradamus. Has anybody heard of Nostradamus? He is uh, uh, he's given some prophecies. Um, a lot of them are very cryptic. Uh, pretty much all of them. They're very vague. Uh, you can come up with many different interpretations from. Uh, some of the prophecies that he's written about. And all these people are wanting to search his writings to see if they can find something in his writings that allude to 9-11, to what, to what happened there. Did he, did he know? Did he predict that? No. No, I, I hate to say that. Well, I don't hate to say, but, um, it's very clear that there's nothing in his writings that that uh, you can really twist to to say that he knew that 9-11 was coming. But I do want to read something to you from Testimonies to the Church, Volume 9. Now, this was written, I believe, in the year 1909, many years before skyscrapers uh, were built. Um... Now, Ellen White was uh, the writer of this, and it's not only interesting what what she writes, but the what what she says would follow this event that she saw in vision was was what was interesting to me. I want to read this to you. It's uh, comes from pages twelve and thirteen. In the Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, we are living in the time of the end. That's plain to see, right? Yeah, that's pretty easy. Don't have to be a prophet to tell that. The fast-fulfilling signs of the times declare that the coming of Christ is near at hand. The days in which we live are solemn and important. The Spirit of God is gradually but surely being withdrawn from the earth. I can see that as earth, as the earth becomes more and more wicked, as men's hearts become and thoughts become more and more evil continually, the Spirit of God must be withdrawing from the earth. Great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will be rapid ones. On one occasion, when in New York City, I was in the night season, called upon to behold buildings rising story after story toward heaven. These buildings were warranted to be fireproof. Has anybody ever seen concrete burn? I've never seen it burn. And they were erect these buildings were warranted to be fireproof. They were erected to glorify their owners and builders. Well let me say anybody from that during that time, had probably never seen concrete burn. <laughs> they were erected to glorify their owners and builders. Higher and still higher, these buildings rose. And in them, the most costly material was used. Those to whom these buildings belonged were not asking themselves, how can we best glorify God? The Lord was not in their thoughts. As these lofty buildings went up, 
the owners rejoiced with ambitious pride that they had money to use in gratifying self and provoking the envy of their neighbors. Much of the money that they thus invested had been obtained through exaction, through grinding down. So, in verse 12, she mentions New York. She mentions story after story after story. Uh, very, very, very tall buildings. Let's go down to page 13. The scene that next passed before me was an alarm of fire. Men looked at the lofty and supposedly fireproof buildings and said, they are perfectly safe. But these buildings were consumed as if made of pitch. The fire engines could do nothing to stay the destruction. The firemen were unable to operate the engines. Now, what's interesting to me is she could have said an earthquake would hit and knock down some buildings. She could have said a hurricane would come. She didn't. She used fire. She mentioned the place where it would happen, New York. And what is even more interesting, as I said before, is what she said would happen directly after this. Not only you know, would the fire engines not be able to do their job, which they couldn't. Uh, let's continue reading what, what she says would, would follow after this. Those who hold the reins of government are not able to solve the problem of moral corruption, poverty, pauperism, and increasing crime. They are struggling in vain to place business operation on a more secure basis. Is that not what our government is struggling with today? Security. National security. If men would give more heed to the teaching of God's word, they would find a solution of the problems that perplex them. The world is stirred with the spirit of war. What happened after 9-11? War. We've been stirred with the spirit of war ever since. The prophecy of the 11th chapter of Daniel has nearly reached its complete fulfillment. Soon the scenes of trouble spoken of in the prophecies will take place. Now, this is just one of um, many examples. Of course, we know that we have a vast testimony from Ellen White about about health. And is it not true that our the things that we eat have changed more over the last 60, 100 years than they have since time began? I believe so. That's what science backs it up. Science is now catching up with what Ellen White said uh, years after she wrote it. Uh, she called tobacco um, an insidious weed. What was the word she used? Malignant. She called tobacco malignant, cancerous, before doctors ever said, oh, this causes cancer. You know, some of the, some of the things that she writes about health, some of the things that she, uh, instructions she gives us about um, what's good for us and what's not good for us, it's kind of hard to take 
if you if you um it's kind of hard for your taste buds to take let me put it that way even she struggled with with um the diet that she was shown was most healthful um for us living in this time and you know it's if we're filled with the spirit if we ask the spirit to lead us each and every day if we give ourselves completely over to him we can listen without it we're going to struggle and it doesn't mean that if we are listening we're filled with the spirit either by all means there are all kinds of what people would call conservative Christians that love to criticize and look at others and judge others. And this is not good. But what it boils down to is, do we truly trust in Jesus? Do we trust that what he's asking of us, or what he's telling us, is really for our best good? He only wants what's good for us. I remember I was praying not too long. Um, it was a couple of months ago. I was praying and I was asking the Lord. I said, Lord, is there something in my life that I need to get rid of? Is there something that, that needs to be cleared out of my life that, that, to just, that might be separating me from you? And immediately I got a mental picture. Immediately. And I'm not going to tell you what, it, what that was. It was, it was a food. And I'm thinking to myself, man, my, my diet's already pretty hard. There's not a lot I can eat. Uh, and, and really? This? I mean, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. You want me to stop eating this? This doesn't really make sense. But, Next time I went to the grocery store, I decided to get something a little bit, a little bit different. I could have done better. I could have listened better. I'll go ahead and tell you. But I got something a little bit different. But you know what I found out just days after that. It may have been, it was days. It was days after that. It was that same, very same week. We contacted Uchi Pines about my wife's endometriosis and he put her on a diet that has helped her you know when king hezekiah when king hezekiah when he uh became sick why didn't god say i'm gonna make you well boom it's done what did he tell him he said make a poultice a fig poultice that's right and this shows us that, you know, sometimes sometimes God wants our participation. He wants us to trust in Him. And wouldn't you know that this diet that uh, my wife was put on, the very food that God had showed me that I needed to take out of our diet was the main food that was tearing up my wife's endometriosis and causing her all kinds of pain. Do we, do we trust God 
do we know that whatever he asks of us is only for our best good? He only wants to take care of us. He loves us. If we will only trust the Lord, invite His Holy Spirit to come into us and to help us do the things that we cannot do on our own. To help us to get rid of our own will and accept His will for our lives. Everything will turn out for the good. But we can't do it on our own. We have to have the Holy Spirit's help. We have to ask Jesus to give us the will to accept His will in our lives. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, Lord, we ask for the outpouring of Your Spirit once again uh, to fill us, to, to give us uh, Your will in our lives, uh, to help us surrender our will uh, to Your wonderful counsel, to Your wonderful um, instruction, Lord. Help us to, to learn, continually learn, to trust You more and more. And Father, help us to uh, be as be as Abraham was, and not have to not have to see what is coming, not have to see the result, to trust in what our Lord says. Help us, Father, to uh, walk by faith and not by sight, as we are filled with Your Spirit each and every day. We love You, Lord, in Jesus' name. We ask all these things. Amen.